Okay, so today, as you might have guessed, we are talking about being passionate for the church, and we have such a treat this morning. Uh, we have a man known as Jeeves with us. Who's here? <laughs> he brings his own fan base. This guy is a leader in a church down in Seven Oaks. Um, he is an absolute legend. I am so excited what he's going to bring to us today. So get your listening ears on, get your notebooks out ready to take notes because it's all going to be fire. Okay, uh, let me just pray for him and then we'll hand over. Lord God, thank you for my brother. Thank you for the word uh, that you've given us and that he's going to preach uh, to us. And I pray that many hearts in here would be changed. Many hearts in here would be made passionate, more passionate for your church. And even people who didn't even know it will be called to serve your church in a new and fresh way. We pray in your mighty name. Amen. Jeeves. Amen. Amen. Wonderful. Let me move this out of the way. Um, brilliant. Who knows my brother? Sandeep, who knows Sandeep? Who's there? He loves doing 1214s. People often at New Day come to me and go, are you, Sandeep, are you Sandeep's brother? Which is a wonderful title. And genuinely, it's a great privilege to be his brother. But I tell you what a better title is. A better title is being a child of God. That's my title. That's who I am. And I'm saying this in a way because I want you to know that I'm deeply passionate. I'm deeply passionate about the church. The church is not something that we just kind of attend and even though there's biscuits and me, me and my boy were chatting, what's our three words? Quiche, that's a classic English church thing. Um, there might be random instruments playing, there might be a bit of awkwardness. That's what we must see the church is. Why would I be passionate about quiche? I'm not, but I'm passionate about the church. I'm passionate about the church. And for me, this is where I'm going. This is really the journey that I want us to go on today. The church is the bride of Christ that we get to be part of, serve in, and find the fullness of our kingdom mission being part of. I am putting my goal, I'm putting my place very high because I'm hoping that to stoke, um, stoke a fire in us to say, we need to be bothered about the church. I'm not talking about just a little bit of a kind of little match in our, in our hearts. You know when we kind of call um, just like a little ignited flame? No, I'm talking about a blazing fire that engulfs. I'm not talking about like a little Thomas the Tankin engine choo-choo train. Can you give me a little choo-choo? bit rubbish, isn't it? No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a juggernaut. I'm talking about a ha, ha kind of train. Can you give me that? Give me a... Can you see the passion? Can you see the energy? Can you see the fact that we're not talking about something small? We're talking about something that is meant to roar and engulf and inflame and fill our hearts more and more. That's where we're going. But to do that, we need to really understand two things. Number one... What is the point of the church? And number two, what's the purpose? So we can answer, why on earth should we be passionate about the church? So it, those my, that's my journey. You know my destination? You know my journey. What's the point? What's the purpose? And why should we be passionate? So let's get stuck in. Where do we even get the word church from? Well, we kind of use it often. Where do we even get the word church from? Well, the word originally comes from Greek. Um, it comes from the word ekklesia. 
Um, that's what it means in, in kind of the wording that we get in English. is this idea of a gathering of people outside with a purpose. So a gathering of people with a purpose is kind of where we get the word church from. Uh, that doesn't mean it can be inside. It can be in people's homes. It can be outside in the field. It doesn't matter where that location is. It just means a gathering of people with a purpose, with a reason. The church is called to be a family gathering. Notice straight away, by the way, that we're ignoring the building. We're not talking about the building at all. We're not talking about the operations at all. We're talking about the people. We're talking about us, the gathering of people in a location. That's the key to begin with. To define a church to begin with, we have to start with the people. We have to start with the gathering. The mission of the church is the people. And the church is the mission. It's, it's completely that way around. We're not talking about building more architecture. No, the only reason why we do that is to facilitate what? People. To facilitate us to be part of it. We are part of the body of God. That's what we're talking about here. We're part of, of that. God is living in us as a temple. Let's just wait for that for a second. I really want to make sure that that lands. God, awesome God, create the stars. Have you looked at the sun? It burns your eyes if you look at it too long. He created that. Have you, have you gone and seen, like on, when you see um, uh, on film or on YouTube, surrounding landscapes, mountains, if you look at Mount Everest, God created that. He spoke it into motion. He created it. If I look at the environment, if I look at nature, if I see the birds sing in the air or the fish in the sea, if I look at a whale and go, man, that's a massive being. God created that. That same God is in you. That same God. It's not a different God. That same God, that same power, all of that, is in you. That's phenomenal. That's a phenomenal thing. God is in you. Or let's look at 1 Corinthians 3, 10 to 17. If you want to flick in your Bible, please feel free. We're going to dance around 1 Corinthians a little bit. But let me just read it out for us here. It says from verse 11, uh, we'll start going from 11 actually. For no one can lay a foundation other than what is than which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest. For the day will disclose it, because it was it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. It's talking about how we're building ourselves, being part of the church in that way. The work has, that anyone has built on the foundation survives. He will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burnt up, he will suffer loss. To him himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? 
If anyone destroys God's temple, God will, will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you are the what? Temple. You're the temple. You're that temple. I think I could stop and just stay at that point itself. Because when we grasp that point properly, that changes the game of what we look at church. The church is your mission because the church is you. You are the church. The point of the church, therefore, is linked at how God looks at the church. And as we understand how God looks at the church in that way. This is the story. We were once enemies, haters, hopeless, ignorant people that despised God, that despised Jesus at the moment that it mattered. We were self-righteous and self-reliant. We absolutely hated God. We were separate from him. But God loved us. Despite all that, God loved us to pour out his perfect love in a perfect plan to send his perfect son to die on the cross for us so we can have a loving relationship with God from now till forever. God brought us out of slavery into adoption so that we could be called God's people. We could be called God's children. We could be called and become God's temple. So God looks at you how? As a beloved child. God looks at you how? As a bride for Jesus. God looks at you how? As someone who he loves deeply and wonderfully. As someone who he wants to be with from now to eternity. At what cost? At great cost of Jesus. Let me put it like this. You were worth Jesus' life on the cross so you could become part of the church. You were worth Jesus' life being pinned to the cross, a thorn on his head, blood pouring out of his head as he cries out, separated from the Father in that moment. You were worth that so you could become part of the church. You were worth it. So the point of the church is the people. The purpose of the church is Jesus. That's where we're at. God loves the church because he loves the people. We're not talking about building an operation, though that matters, though that helps. We're talking about how God loves his people. Ephesians 5, it talks about the glorious purpose of God's eternal plan of redemption is gathering and perfecting of his people. Jesus came for the sake of the church. More than 30 times in the New Testament, um, it's called, the church is called my beloved. My beloved. My beloved. It, it's a word bound to someone to love them forever. To be like Christ means that we need to love like Christ, including and in particular loving the church. Loving the church. Like, I just want to make this quite clear. Like, I don't know about you, but some songs at church I find really boring. I'll be honest with you. Yeah, some songs I, I, I don't in particular like. I don't get the words, that kind of stuff. But if I take a step back and really think, what, what is going on in that moment? I'm gathering with my brothers and my sisters, my spiritual fathers, my spiritual grandparents, my spiritual mothers, 
I'm, I'm gathering with all of them in front of the high king who is in us and meeting with us. So it doesn't really matter if I'm singing a rubbish song. I'm in a place where I'm meeting with the living God with others. And I think the moment has to drop. The penny has to drop to go, if the church is just about the operations, of course it will end up being boring. Of course it will. You know, let me put it another way. If you think that your youth group is going to be like New Day, or if you think your church is going to be like New Day, you've got it wrong. And if, and if a church is trying to strive to become like New Day, it's got it wrong too. No, a church is meant to be desperately in love with Jesus and be a place where all of us are going, man, isn't it good that we can join in together to love Jesus? Isn't it so good? Uh, it doesn't really matter like, if, if someone's playing a tambourine, dancing in, in the aisle, or, or if it's a bit awkward and it sounds a bit tone deaf. All right, yeah, we're, we're all learning. But it doesn't really matter. Why? Because it's all about Jesus. And I'm all, I want to meet with him. I want to be with him because I'm his beloved. Because I'm loved by him and therefore I want to love others in the same way like him. The church is to enable us to promote one another's holiness, to show affection to one another, to bear with another bur- one another's burdens, to encourage one another's gifts. The primary existence of the church is to glorify God and to honor him and to sing his praise. God's passion for his people is driven throughout the Bible, even in Genesis 1 at the beginning. Genesis 1, 27 to 29, God says, let's create man in my image. He has put his fingerprint of himself on each and every one of us. So why wouldn't he be passionate about every single one of us? You have been placed perfectly in your local town as missionaries, as part of the family of God, to share the gospel, to advance the kingdom, to advance the truth. Did you know that? Did you know as young people, 12 to 14 year olds, you have been perfectly placed to share the gospel? I want to make this clear. I'm going to probably repeat this point many times. Youth, you are not an add-on to the church. You are not a bolt-on, you are not an extra, you are not a paid-to-play kind of thing. You are part of the church. And the moment that we as a generation, the moment that as a generation of the church that is leading have forgotten that, we are stifling and stilting the next generation to pick up the torch and to run with it. You, where you are right now in your schools, with your friends, you are little bits of the church that are meant to be sharing the gospel with others around you. Know your mission. You are placed there. We often think mission is going overseas. Do you know what's happening at the moment? Overseas is coming to the UK to actually tell UK what Christianity is. Why should we give them the chance? Let's share the gospel where we're at. Because that's where God has called us to be. Part of the church. I've talked about the point. I've talked about a bit of the purpose. Why on earth am I standing here today, raising my voice in a microphone in the middle of a cow shed, saying that we should be passionate 
about the church. Why? Well, as the church is about the people of God that belongs to God, where it's founded and rooted in God, and the key aim is to share about God, we should be stirred up to be passionate to share what we have found about God with others to help them learn about God. What you found, the treasure that you may have found of being a child of God, it's the greatest treasure in the world. We need to share that. Let me give you an analogy. If I um, went home and I dug a hole, and, and in this hole I found a million pounds, and I lifted out that treasure and I put it to the side, and underneath that was another million pounds, and I lifted that up and I put it to the side, and I kept on finding these a million pounds. It's kind of this magical uh, tunnel, this magical well of money. What's the most selfish thing to do? To keep it. It's not, it's not like that if I pull a million pounds out, it's going to stop. It's, it's a never-ending treasure. With, with that well, I could, serve, I, I could solve world hunger. I could solve so many things that are going on. I could solve poverty. The selfish thing to do is to keep that treasure to myself. The best thing I could do is to go and shout from the rooftop, being like, come, come to this well. Come drink from this well. Come see what you can find. That's exactly what it's like of being a Christian. We have found a never-ending treasure that we're going to have for all eternity. The most selfish thing that we could do is not tell others about Jesus. Don't get me wrong, it's, it's scary sometimes. But if we look at it in that kind of way by saying, this is a never-ending treasure, no, it's selfish me not telling people, I want to tell the world about who Jesus is. I want to tell the world this great treasure that I found. If the church is insular alone, if it's looking at itself alone, then it's forgotten the mission field ahead. If the church is external alone, however, the church has forgotten to strengthen those within it. No, it's a, the church needs to become a loving community of believers who are familiar with one another to spur one another along. That's the point of this. My heart is to spur you on, to say, come on. Get part of the church. Get part of the mission of God. Don't, don't, don't fall aside. Don't, don't sit on the bench. Get part of it because of the adventure ahead. We need to love together. We need to celebrate together. We need to cry together. We need to suffer together. We need to persist together. I need to talk about this suffering, by the way. I think, I think we often don't talk about this in our culture. Suffering is part of being in the church. The church, if you're, if you're, part of the, um, if you're a Christian and you belong to God and you're part of that walk, you're part of the church, I think we often talk about the freedom bit. We don't often talk about the suffering bit. We often talk about the great freedom and the great treasure. We don't often talk about the great persecution and suffering, and challenge that comes with it. I don't want to lie and and say that being part of the church is easy. It's certainly not. Suffering is part of it. We might not understand that from our culture, but we can't escape that when we look at the words. We can't escape the fact that we need to learn to persist about what is true, Not, not swaying to what culture is saying, not swaying to the hostility that is around us, 
but making sure that we are walking with God. We are pursuing God. We are pursuing truth. It's why opening up the Bible is deeply important. Why? Because I have to know not at all. It's if, if it's a relationship, I want to understand my father more. And I want to understand what it means to be part of the church more. So I don't have to read my Bible. Jesus hasn't got a scorecard in heaven. He's not going to give me a, a, an eight or a nine based on how many times I've read the Bible. He, what he's going to do, he's going to love me. But I get to read the Bible because I understand who he is and who I am more if I genuinely dive into the word of God. Same with prayer. Um, I don't have to pray. Who would have thought? I don't have to pray to be a Christian. It's not a mark on it. But I, I get to pray. And I get to speak with the living God. I get to speak with the God who created everything that loves me corporately, loves us as the church, but looks at me individually with all my failures, all my shames, all my successes, all my joys, and goes, Sanjeev, I love you for you being my child and I want to speak with you. That's what prayer is. It's a communication with the living God. It's not just like, dear God, thank you for everything, yada, 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 amen. Like, it's not that. It's, it's a communication to kind of go, God is speaking to you. And you are speaking to God. I don't have to pray. I get to pray. That's, that's what being part of this is. That's what being part of it is. We need to learn. We need to grow. We need to, to shape one another. JT English says it like this, the church is called to make disciples and it's time for us to stop delegating our responsibility. Other organizations can come alongside the church but can never replace the church. Beloved, you are to be sharpened and shaped by your local church for discipleship, for mission. We as the church, we need to provide opportunities for all ages to grow. We need to provide opportunities for all ages to learn and to disciple and to, to grow in that way. It's not just a transferring of ideas, but the transformation of the whole person. And every member of that um, family is needed. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 13. Let me just read it out. It says, for just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves and free, slaves or free. And we all were made to drink of one spirit. Equally, right after this, I won't read it out, but it talks about that an eye can't do what an ear does. A foot can't do what a hand does. So we're all part of one body, but we all play our part. Not, there's no um, hierarchy I think it's easy to kind of go to a church saying the most important person in the church is the one with the mic. That's so wrong. We, we all play our part because it's not about the person on the stage. It's about the one who has made us part of the church. It's about the king. Here's the other important part, right? If I don't have one part of my body, if I don't have my liver, something doesn't go on well. In fact, if I don't have some of my toes on my right foot, I'll, I'll end up walking a bit wonky. As a church, we need to make sure we don't allow the church to become wonky. So play your part. Play your part. Now, don't get me wrong. God is, is not 
desperate in need for us, he wants us. The Bible says that if we do not cry out praise, the rocks will cry out. I remember thinking, man, Father, I never want to allow the rocks or nature to get what is my privilege. So it's not the fact that if you don't, you're holding um, the church hostage if you don't serve. Do you see what I'm saying? But see it as a deemed privilege that each one of us have a specific part to play in the church that we should be playing. The church should be marked with family love. Romans 12.10 says, love one another with brotherly affection. Love one another. Says this, this is a banger. Outdo one another in showing honor. Imagine that culture. Imagine that culture that each of us thought, you know what? I'm going to outdo each other in showing love and honor. There, there, that is nothing but wholesome. That is nothing but wholesome. That if I walked into church and goes, I'm going to try and outdo everyone here in love and showing honor. That is nothing but incredible. Philippians 2 verse 2 says, Complete my joy, having the same mind, having the same heart, having the same spirit with me. You, how you serve, how you um, lead, how you live, how you live for Christ, you complete my joy. You add to my life. You add to my freedom. You add to my relationship with God. And I, you... Though we might be individuals, I'm passionate about the church because we come together as one body, showing love to one another, honoring one another, completing one another's joy and serving on mission with with one another for the kingdom of God. That's why we've got to be passionate about this. We need to be living in a spirit-filled, God-centric community and the only way that happens is by falling in love with the church more and more. And as we fall in love with the church more and more, that starts with falling in love with Jesus more and more. Start with the cornerstone. Start with the foundation. But as I start there, that love increases. It catalyzes. It grows into a place of going, I love you. I love the church. I want to be part of the church. The church should be the most diverse in culture, in class, in nationality, in age, in gender. For all people falling in love with Christ more and more as we encourage each and every one of us to do so more and more. It should be the most joyful place in all society that should absolutely um, be different to any other culture that we see. It should be the place where all mental health, emotional health, physical health changes because of the community of the church. It should be the place where we see society and governments change because of the prayers prayed in the church. It should be the place where we see lives radically changed forever because of the church. So last question as I look to just kind of land and lead us in a bit of time of prayer. That's all right. <clears throat> How do we deal then with what society's view is of the church? Or let me put it in another way. You might have been hearing me talk about this, and you might be like, Jeeves, I get it, but the church has hurt me before. Or the church has hurt my parents. The church has hurt my family in some way. And I've heard, I've seen on the news of stuff that's going on in the church, and I don't agree with it. 
or even the terminology of deconstruction. There's some bits of the church I like, there's some bits of the church I don't, so I want to take away, take away things I don't like and keep the things I like. Two things with that. Number one, with the first point, if there is something that has hurt you in the church, if there is something that I, you've read about abuse in the church, either that's been you or that's been your family, guess what? God hates it too. God hates it too. God doesn't condone it. He doesn't accept it. He hates it. There's no aspect where I'm going to say, oh, well, you know, no, God hates it. There is grace where people, we, we are trying to become more like Christ. But there also, Philippians 3 tells us to be aware of wolves and wild dogs that look to mutilate the flesh. Which is, there might be people that are in church that are doing things wrong. Judgment comes from the king. So if that has happened, we're going to give time at the end where we want to pray for you. Because I, I, I want to make sure that you don't leave today with an opinion of the church that is broken. But you see the church for what it is, which is the bride of Christ. And maybe your experience of the church might have been broken. Well, I believe God wants to do some rectifying of that today. First bit. Second bit by deconstruction. The problem with this conversation is that what people are doing is they're saying, let's deconstruct stuff, which includes stuff about Jesus. That's no longer deconstruction, that's deconversion. Deconversion is a bigger issue. That's basically saying, I don't believe in Jesus. Deconstruction, there's probably elements of that where I kind of get, like some operational stuff. Why do we have pews? I don't know. I don't think it matters. I don't think Jesus, when we go to heaven, is going to go, you know what? Actually, if you read Lamentations, this is why you have to have pews. Like, I don't think he's going to be that bothered about some of the operational things. But when it comes to stuff about the Bible, when it comes to stuff about the gospel, there's nothing that we can do to shake that. There's nothing we should do to change that. Here's one that I've often read about communion. People kind of go, why should we do communion? That kind of way. Why? Because Jesus was modeling in a way to celebrate a believer's meal to say, I belong to the king. If, if we have changed communion in a church to become a religious act, it's not the fact that communion is wrong, it's the fact that we've got it wrong. Yeah, does that make sense? Yeah? I think what we may, might have accidentally done sometimes is we put accidental, societal, and cultural religious behaviors on things that makes us skew our idea about the church. So I don't agree with deconstruction. What I believe with is the gospel truth. And what the Bible says the church is meant to be is the bride of Christ. A group of more than conquerors for the, him who loved us. An army of God raising up a generation to share one another the wonders of the king. A group of, of family that love one another, that bear with one another, that spur one another on for mission. That say, I am bothered about the kingdom of God. I'm bothered about seeing God's name proclaimed. That's what I believe the church is. That's why I'm passionate about the church. That's why I'm passionate about seeing young people come and know who God is. At the end of the Bible, in Revelation 21, the angel says, he says this as a prophetic image. Come and I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. You are the wife of the Lamb. You are the bride of God. You are not discounted. You are not excluded. It doesn't matter about age. It doesn't matter about culture. You are part of the church. 
And the moment that we stop being passionate about that is the moment we've forgotten how we actually are meant to live like as Christians. You are not the future, you're the now. You are not the extra, you are the included. So beloved, we need to become passionate about the church because that includes us. Because Christ is passionate about you. And therefore, he's a passionate about his mission and he's passionate, therefore, about his church. Do you want to stand with me? Is that okay? We've got, half, we've got half an hour, so I'm just going to tell just a quick story. We've got 15 minutes, really. I'm going to tell a quick story. Um, some of you might be 11 or 12, just on that, what part of, what is your place in the church? Um, you might be 11 or 12 thinking, I'm in a small church, I don't know what my part is going to be. Um, I'm just going to talk about my brother a little bit now. Um, so we grew up in a small family church. Um, and my brother was presented opportunity to play the saxophone in our church. We love, 12, we love stories in 2014. Play the saxophone in a church. And he faithfully bought his saxophone and he played, which is amazing. And he was obedient in that. The next opportunity he got was to lead a youth group. And he was obedient in that, what he was asked to do. His next opportunity was then he moved to Kent, met Catherine and baby JJ. <laughs> Um, and he was asked to be part of the leadership team of that church. He was obedient in that. You might be 12 here and, and four to 14, and you might not know what your part is right now in your church. But all you're called to do is be obedient. And through that, God's going to op- open opportunities and open doors for you. So I hope you've got that passion for your church and I hope through this talk you've been able to experience that but your job is just to receive and be obedient to what God's going to do in your life okay Sanj let's give it up for Sanjeev and Sandeep okay so we're going to spend some time praying now there's two main groups I would love to pray for that I'm going to get Jeeves to pray for you guys Um, So number one, and this is probably one that you need to talk to a youth leader about or talk to a red cap or green cap about, is the group of you you who have been hurt by the church. Okay, so he talks about that, didn't he? So you've had a situation where you were not treated how you should have been in church or actually you know that your parents had a really tough time. Maybe you've had to move church. Actually, maybe you've been in a church that's completely stopped. That's really painful. Okay, it's not okay, it's not right, and we want to pray for you. So if that's you, uh, once we get praying, I want to encourage you, maybe if you go to the, the back there, um, and if you've got a red cap, maybe you could make your way there. Um, and, I, and I encourage you, go, go and get prayer, okay? Uh, God cares, he sees, and he wants to heal you. Okay, so that's number one. Group number two, I don't want you to go to the back, I actually want you to stand up, and I'll give you a chance to do that in a sec. All of us have a place in church to serve, right? We've heard that already. As you've been hearing Jeeves talk, there's been a fire started in your heart. Okay, this isn't just like a nice thing to hear. Yeah, yeah, cool, church is nice. You're like, this, man, I think this is everything. I think I don't just go to church. I think I love the church. 
And, and it, it might not even get any words for it, but in your heart right now, it's just beating you. That's me. That's me. God's calling me to love his church more. And who knows, even in the future, to serve his church, whether that's through paid work, whether that isn't. But I just feel there's people even now, God's sitting on you and he's going, that's you. That's you. Hey, if that is you, if you feel like God is on you to be passionate for his church, to serve his church, it might be a lot of us, it might be a few of us, why don't you stand up now? Well done. Well done, guys. You're being called to serve the church, to love the church. We all are, but particularly God's resting on you. Hey, if that's you, why don't you close your eyes, hold your hands out. God's here. He wants to minister to you. I'm going to get Jeeves to pray for you guys. Maybe orange shirts, if you could make your way to them. Hey, if you've been hurt by the church, if you're that first one, why don't you make your way to the back now as we pray. Um, Youth leaders, feel free to get up and gather around these guys as well. Jeeves, do you want to pray for us? Heavenly Father, I thank you that you love us deeply. That, Father, you uh, created us. And the church is something that will last from now till forever. In the new heaven and new earth, Father, the church will be what lasts and will partner with you. But Father, I thank you that that privilege doesn't start till the beginning of eternity. That starts now. And I pray for my brothers and sisters that have stood up, that are saying, you know what, I don't want to be bothered about the church. Father, thank you that it's not about anything apart from just being obedient. It's not about anything apart from just being your child. It's not about anything apart from saying, I want to be part of this family. So, Father, I ask and I pray that your hand will be over every single person that's going, you know what? I want to buy into the church. I want to get stuck in. I want to get involved. Wherever that looks like, wherever that means, wherever that family heart might be, Father, I pray that you would increase the passion, increase the heart, and to set them in places where, God, you are chiseling, shaping, sharpening your children to become exactly where you want them to be. Father, you are the chiseler, you are the shaper, so we pray, Holy Spirit, come and rest on these hearts right now. I say, Holy Spirit, just come, be here, be in this place right now, that your hand of love, your hand of mercy would be over every single person that has stood up, that you would strike up a passion for their local church, strike up a passion for your body, strike up a passion for your bride, Father. Father, I also just lift up those who may have been hurt by the church, may have been hurt by what has happened. Father, we know that your heart breaks for those who hurt. And so God, I ask and I pray, anyone who might have been hurt by the church, hurt or their families have been hurt by the church, that God, you would draw close and show them your true love rather than what might have been modeled to them. You should show them your true heart rather than what they may have experienced. Because, Father, you are not a father who seeks to hurt. You are a father who seeks to restore. You are a father who seeks to love. You are a father who seeks to enable. You are a father who seeks to change and transform for the kingdom of God. And so, Father, I pray for anyone who might have been in that place, that, God, your hand will be close. We pray this in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen.
Amen.